Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. Say it again, it's time to make a move. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, Miles McPherson um, has written a book um, by the name of, um, called The Third Option. And in his book, The Third Option, he teaches on um, three different ways in which we can tackle areas of, I have a little ringing, I think, uh, we can uh, tackle areas of race relation. Um, he says there are many different areas that you can tackle, but there are uh, just a few that he talks about as far as in his book. And um, the three areas that he talks about are um, me, working on myself, then you, and then we. It's very simple, it's not complex, it's not deep, it's just three areas that he says. I want to shout out Jason's parents too that are in town. I'm so sorry, I wish, bless you. Thank you so much. Let's clap our hands for Jason's parents that are here, the Brooks. But three areas um, that um, we are challenged with in dealing with um, race relation. And the reason that he said the third option is because oftentimes it's always um, us against them. Uh, when I say us, you can talk about child against parent. Uh, you can talk about community against police. You can talk about black versus white. Uh, you can talk about male versus female, but it's always us and them. He talks about there is a third option, uh, which is probably a book that we're going to get into as a church just to read it together as it relates to this culture and time. Uh, but he's saying that for us to be able to stop uh, categorizing, uh, but to be able to say we or to bring us all into an in inclusive area that we can move forward together. And when we get to this particular scripture today and when we look at it, we see that in verse 25, it says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to him, him being Jesus. A lawyer stood up to Jesus and he desired to test him, saying, Jesus or teacher, he said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you have to understand when it talks about this lawyer, here a lawyer is one who knows how to argue their case. So this lawyer does not come to Jesus to basically learn from him. He comes to Jesus to basically try to trick him to see what he would say because obviously this lawyer felt as if he knew the answer to his own question. I don't know if you've ever been tricked or tried to be tricked by someone who asks you a question just to try to trip you up. Jesus responded, Jesus responds to him. He says, what must I do? That's what the teacher, the lawyer says. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Not talking about life on this side, but what can I do to be able to live eternally? That's what the, the lawyer came to Jesus asking. And Jesus responded to him. He says, well, lawyer, what is written in the law? Basically, Jesus is so smart that he calls him on his own game. Lawyer. 
you're coming to me asking me what should you do, lawyer who studies the law, what does the law say? You know the governance of this area. You know the law of Moses. You can quote it before I can quote it. So you tell me. Sometimes it's good for you to, instead of um, dumbing yourself down, uh, sometimes it's good to call people what they are and say, you're trying to trip me up. You tell me what you think I'm supposed to know. Just call people on their own turf. That doesn't mean you're being disrespectful. It means you're telling them, I see what you're trying to do. So sometimes it's good for you to respond and say, well, you tell me what the law says. And that's what Jesus said. And Jesus, I don't believe Jesus said it in a smart way. He says, how do you read it? Which is to say, how do you interpret it? And verse 27, and the lawyer said, you shall love the Lord your God. I need y'all to pray while I'm, I'm shifting. I want y'all to pray. Was, uh, we used to, uh, a lot of times when we used to preach, we would say, somebody pray for the preacher. We used to say that. We used to say, pray for the man who stands in John's shoes. I don't want y'all to just be listening to the word, but I want you to Pray for the preacher. Pray that the preacher is more spiritual than fleshly. <laughs> That's very important <laughs> because you have to be careful. Because and when we stand behind this pulpit, when we stand on this stage, please understand I sense lots of things. I feel lots of things. I hear lots of things that are going on in the room right now. But I got to stay in the word because I know that if I teach the word, the word will handle everything that could be troubling the atmosphere of this current moment. So I want you to pray that the anointing of God rests upon the preacher. Somebody say, I need the power right now. I don't want us to leave here to say it was an ordinary service. I don't come for ordinary. I'm sorry. Y'all know me long enough to know. I just don't know how to do ordinary. I know how to step into the anointing. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the preacher because if you pray, I'll preach under the power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, I thank you. So verse 27 says, he answered. The lawyer answered to him and he responded. And the lawyer said, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You should love him with all your soul. You should love him with all your strength. The meaning with him saying love the Lord with all your heart, which is say what that means is, and this is why I do have a little bit of trouble in today's church. What he says is love the Lord with all your heart means whatever you do, give it your all. That means if you're going to do something, don't, oh, well, I was going to say something they used to say, my aunt used to say, sorry, don't half do it. It was another word was coming out real quick, but make sure that when you do something, make sure you give it your all. Someone say, give it your all. Uh, don't play games. I, I don't like it when people preach and people sing or people usher or, or people serve. And it's almost like I got to do this. Oh, I don't have to do nothing. I get to do this thing because I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Do you know that I could have been cuckoo for Cocoa Pops right now? I could have been dead sleeping in my grave. I'm glad that I'm alive. I get a joy. I get joy when I think about Jesus and what he's done for me. He said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart. Then with all your soul means check your emotions. Your soul means when you're wrong, check yourself. When you're wrong, know yourself. When you're off, know yourself. Check yourself. He says, love the Lord with all your soul. He says, and then with all your strength means sometimes I get tired, but I got to pull my tiredness into submission and say, obey, strengthen yourself in the Lord. He says, and then love him with all your mind. Which means don't be a fool. Be intellectual. God is not wanting to just anoint people who don't want to study. Get in the word. Learn something. Don't repeat what you've heard. Find out for yourself. 
I heard when I was growing up he was a bridge over troubled waters. But I had had no troubled waters for him to be a bridge over. But when I had troubled waters, then I was able to say, oh, no, he'll walk you through some troubled times. I didn't know what it meant for him to be a provider until I needed provision. I didn't know what it meant for him to be a healer until I needed healing. I did not know, for, I didn't know what it meant for him to be a friend who sticks closer than a brother until I found out that I needed a friend in troubling times. Can anybody give a witness in the house today that says you know something about Jesus? He said, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Let me say this here. Me, Mario J. Radford, the lead pastor of this wonderful establishment called Growth Point Church, established August um, five years ago, whatever year that was. <laughs> Working on me is a full-time job. Me, not you, just me. Working on myself is a full-time job. And if you would be honest, you yourself can wear your own self out. When I realize that I'm a full-time job, it keeps me out of trying to fix you. Because I'm, I'm a work on myself. I'm, I'm, I will never be fired because I'm a full-time job. I have to be worked on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And even after I preach on Sunday, before someone says something to me, I have to say, Lord, work on me immediately. Because I'm always going to be employed because I'm always a work on myself. That's why I love the scripture in Philippians. It says, let everyone work out his own. Someone say own. So salvation, which means while you're trying to tell someone else what they should do, have you forgot about you? I got to work on me. So when he says, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, all of that type of stuff. Just all of that stuff, me working on me is a lot. Just working on myself is a whole lot. And then he grabs and says, and your neighbor. As if I didn't already have a lot to work on. Now i got to learn how to love people. I already had to wake up this morning and pray for myself. I already had to check my own self. I didn't come to 301 Harvard Drive to deal with your issues too. I am a work within myself. So then the scripture says not only just work on yourself, but you also got to learn how to include other people in the mix too. How many can be honest right now and say you're tested by people? Raise your hand. I'm tested. I'm tested by people. I am. That's why this message is for all of us. Because if I could do this life by myself, it might be okay. <laughs> Some people said, I love God. It's the Christians I don't like. <laughs> but we cannot just have a vertical relationship without having a horizontal relationship. A lot of us do vertical better than horizontal. That's why the cross was the way it was. He had to, he had to fulfill something vertically with God so that we could be okay horizontally. We wouldn't be able to come to a vertical God until we got our horizontal right. Somebody says, I got to work on other people too. I got to love other people too. 
verse 28, he's, after he says that, it says that, but he, he answered him, Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. He said, work on yourself. He said, then love others. He said, and, and you're going to be okay. You're going to be, that's the ingredient right there. Verse 29 says, because the lawyer was so skilled, the lawyer was so good, um, he wanted to justify himself. He said to Jesus, so who do you propose is my neighbor? So I get the law to love the Lord with all my heart, my mind, my soul, love my mind, all that stuff. That's great. And love my neighbor. But I want to know, now, what does my neighbor actually look like? What type of people would you like me to deal with? <laughs> the Jews viewed neighbors very narrowly. The Jews excluded Samaritans and Gentiles. The reason that they, Brandon, the reason that they excluded Samaritans is because the Samaritans were a mixed breed of people. The Samaritans were Israelite and foreign descendants, and they did not deal with half-breeds. So to not deal with you meant that you had 1% of a race I don't normally deal with in you. So because of that percent that's in you, I don't deal with you because of that. You're a half-breed. You're a mixture. Do you know how many people don't deal with people just because they're mixed with something? Huh. I'm not talking about race. Take race out of it. Some of you are mixed with ratchet and righteous, and, and there's two parts of you, depending on the day, depending on the day, depending on the atmosphere, you don't know which one is going to show up. Uh, uh, there is a sanctified in you, and then there's a cusser in you. There's a mixed breed between the two of you. There, there are some of you who are also pastor or preacher or minister, but there's some, of, some, some hints and some traces of your past that are still in you as well. And depending on the circumstance, depending on the environment, you might be a little mix of something. I'm, 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 I'm becoming, I'm, I'm becoming better, but sometimes my Jacob creeps up every once in a while. I love Israel because that's the change part of me. But the Jacob part, I got to tell him to have a seat every once in a while. There is a part of me that is mixed. It's a part of me that's intertwined. Uh, that's why it's, it's very difficult for me to judge you because I'm mixed myself. So I don't have time to talk about what's in you. I don't have time to look at what you had not worked on because there's a part of me that's mixed. Uh, when they ask for my ethnicity and when they look for my application, the only thing I can check is other. Because there's so many parts of me that if it had not been for the blood, if it had not been for his righteousness, if it had not been for the Christ, it had not been for the cross, I would be like anybody else. Somebody just check yourself, say other. Depending on where you find me, you'll see what comes up. I, I'm not really sure. Don't, don't judge me on my other day. Don't judge me based on my otherness. 
the more you learn to celebrate yourself and celebrate that you're a work on progress, God will allow you to have patience for other people because I'm mixed myself. There's nothing worse than, than being around self-righteous, indignant, arrogant, sanctified church people who have, have memory lapse and don't remember that you used to be and, and it wasn't that long ago actually it was last week and the only reason we don't remember is because you posted it on Snapchat and it's already dissolved but if it had not been there's parts of me that gotta constantly be checked there's parts of me that I constantly I have to bring under submission there, there's parts of me that when I see certain people it reminds me what hadn't changed in me just yet there's parts of me that when people talk to me certain way that reminds me that some parts of me hadn't changed yet because there's still a clocker in me that hadn't come out just yet somebody say I'm still working I'm still working I'm still working come on James Cleveland be patient with me God is not through with me and when he gets through with me I shall come forth as pure go someone say he's working on me he's working on me I, when's the last time we had a praise break that he's still working on you that he's still working on your mind that he's still working on your heart that he's still working on your family still working on your have i got where you are still working on your drinking still working on your smoking still working on your mind thank god that you're still a work in progress The fact that I'm a work in progress is what keeps me humble. Every time I think about what I am without his anointing, I have no choice but to be humble. Because without his anointing, I'm just a mess. I'm foolish. I'm ratchet. I'm a creep. I'm a mess. If it had not been for his anointing on me, somebody give God praise for the anointing. Now I feel it's kicked in. It's that chain-breaking anointing. It's that shifting anointing. See, I didn't know if y'all know I'm a shifter. When I show up, I change the atmosphere. That means when I show up, whatever was dead, it's got to start living. Y'all thought y'all had an ordinary pastor. I'm sorry, I'm a shifter. That means that I just preach until it shifts. I just keep pushing until it shifts. I keep pushing until something changes. I keep pushing until devils remind themselves that you don't belong here. I keep preaching until devils got to remind themselves that at the name of Jesus, even you got to bow. Somebody say, I shifted. I, I shifted. I shifted. Yeah. Yeah, so said said the Jews didn't deal with them because they were mixed. And the reason I had to keep preaching until I shifted is because your mind can't receive it until it shifts. Uh, even God told him, He said, "Harden not your heart." And you hear the word and. We got to break up fallow ground. That's the word we used to say in the sanctified church. Fallow ground, which means hardened ground. Someone say, break up your ground. Break up, break up your ground. What I mean is, clear your browsing history for a moment. Clear, clear, clear some of your browsing for a moment. Some of the things that you were thinking about, clear it for a second. Some of the things that were on your mind, clear it for a second. Because God's got a word for you, and you can't receive the word until you delete some things that are in your browsing right now. Someone say, delete, 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 delete. I, I, I feel like preaching in the room. Somebody say, delete it. So, I got to make a move. Got to move forward. If I'm going to move forward, if I'm going to make a move, the 
first part, Jesus shows me. You don't see it, but I see it in the scripture, verse 30. I find it. The first thing he tells us to make a move from is we got to move. Y'all ready? From lurking to learning. The word lurker is an urban term that means you read a message board or a feed without posting or engaging with what you saw, but you saw it by lurking. A lurker is someone who simply wants to get information without adding to the discussion. Um, lurker is someone who gets information like a dog who gets a bone to carry the bone. Um, lurker is one who sees things to screenshot it, to share it, to have private thread messages, to talk about what you saw, but you never approach the person that you saw. So you want to have conversation because you yourself are in entanglement yourself. Excuse me. So you yourself see things or you want to be a part of other things and you like to look and you like to be able to lurk just to have something to talk about. But you never engage. You just look. Share. Lurking. Uh, so, if I'm going to deal with me, this first thing I told y'all three things that uh, Miles talks about, uh, three things I could talk about, deal with me. I got to deal with me lurking. I got to deal with that part of me. If I'm going to be an agent for change, I got to purify my own heart. So we find this in the scripture, y'all. I'm not out of the word. Verse 30 says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I'm in the word. Dr. Manuel and I, beginning this year, before Corona, we went to Israel. And we went to Jerusalem and we went to Jericho. When we went from Israel or from Jerusalem, excuse me, to Jericho, it was about a 19, 17 to 19 mile journey between uh, Jerusalem and Jericho. Um, Jericho is what you would consider the hood of a community, to put it in context. Uh, Jerusalem is considered to be the holy place uh, where there's temples, but Jericho is the place you don't go at certain times of day. So the man left from even when we were on tour, when they took us to Jericho, uh, we had a Jewish um, a travel agent. But when we got to the, 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 the gates of Jericho, uh, she had to get off because it was heavily occupied by Palestinians. And they could not go in because the Jews did not deal with them and they did not deal with the Jews. So she had to get off so a Palestinian could come on and be with us. So she got off, we rolled through Jericho, and we find that this man, this man right here, hear me, this man right here, he was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, uh, and as he was going down 19 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho, uh, I, I think about that for a second, Marcus, how long does it take you to get from the holy place to where you used to be? <laughs> that journey. <laughs> That's why, why I get upset with people when people are in the journey between uh, changing and deliverance. 
it sometimes takes a minute. Uh, the deliverance part is daily. It's a journey. Someone say it's a journey. It takes me a minute. So, so he's going from Jericho, going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it says, the scripture says, and he fell among robbers. Hear this, Caesar, uh, Elder Coney. He stripped him, beat him, departed, left him half dead. Say it again. Fell among robbers, Gwen, stripped him, beat him, departed, leaving him half dead. I don't have time. I don't have a long time to preach to y'all today because you got things to eat. But when I look at this scripture, he fell among robbers who stripped him. The word strip means you take off my identity. To strip me means you take off what was on me. Everything that I am about, he stripped him. Uh, then after they stripped him, they beat me. It's one thing for me to be stripped of my identity, and then you're going to beat me once you strip me. Uh, strip me of everything that I am. Strip me of my identity. Strip me of my likeness. Strip me of my, who I came from. Strip me, beat me. And then you abandon me? I want to talk to people who have been stripped, beat, and abandoned. Well, when you look back over your life, everything keeps lining up with being stripped, then being beat, and then the person who stripped and beat you left and departed. So now it's your word against a person who's not even there. Left him half dead. This is verse 31. Y'all ready for this? Verse 31 says, now by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. That was one thing. I was okay. It was, well, I wasn't okay, but I was like, okay. The preacher did it. Then Courtney, it bothered me more. Because then it says, likewise, a Levite came to the place, saw him, passed by on the other side. Don Trees, it bothered me because it's one thing. For the preacher to pass by, who was in the priest, that means that he was doing his religious duties, I guess is what he says. They were coming from doing their duties. But the Levite, for those of you who don't know what Levite is, the Levite is one who was a part of the Levitical priesthood. Uh, if you don't know what the Levitical, Levitical priesthood is, the Levites were, the Levites were responsible for the worship. The Levites were responsible for the music. The Levites were responsible for the praise. The Levites were responsible for making sure the atmosphere was right. So that means that not only was the man beat by the robbers, but then the church comes and beats me more. The church looks at him. This is one thing. Look at this scripture right here. It says the priest walks down the road, passes by on the other side. Lurking. So I want to talk to all of y'all who want to be called. But you see issues from afar. You see things that you look at. And you say somebody needs to do something about that. I haven't seen anything going on in the children's ministry in a while. 
I'm just lurking and looking at the ministries that have not been operating. I'm seeing that the worship team has the same people that's been singing for a while, just lurking. Just looking. Just going to pass by, though. Because I'm so anointed to get involved. Uh, if you follow me, you'll find out that I'm booked. So I don't really have a lot of time to get involved with other people's business and affairs. So I'm just going to lurk. And I'm just going to look. And then, Sister Green, the Levites, the worshipers. The singers, the ones responsible for the atmosphere in the room, they didn't lurk. They came to where he was, looked, and then left. It is the people. I'm sorry, Jermaine, I'm trying not to move so much. It is the people who get involved until something goes wrong. They are the people who get involved until they're responsible. It is the people who join because it's exciting. But when there's a cross to bear, they leave. It is the person who gets you pregnant, but when it's time to raise a child, they escape. It is the person who is publicly married, but they privately DM you. It's the Levites who do church well, but don't do holy well. <laughs> it is the church people who do praise breaks right, right, but they don't do sanctification right. It is the pastor who preaches better than he lives. It, it is the people who will step in stuff that they don't want to be a part of. So I'll see what needs to be done. But I'm too busy. It's too busy for me to learn. To learn means I've got to understand what beat you. To learn means I've got to spend time with you to find out why you are the way you are. To learn means I've got to allow you to teach me how to handle you. That's what it means to learn. But we have so many lurkers and not a lot of learners. <laughs> we have a lot of chiefs. But not a lot of Indians. Everybody wants to be called, but nobody wants to follow. <laughs> to be able to say that I want to be able to learn what happened to the man. What is it that made you hurt? What hurt you? Who hurt you? Where did it come from? Show me where it hurts. One thing I, I love about Miles is 13 now. We can't do it too much anymore because 
is not popular and, and he's too cut in this area. So, you know, he's too buff to, to be able to be childish like he used to be. Now it's, hey, duh. Now it's just very deep. It's, it's not as, as loving and, and childish as it was when he used to want to spend a whole lot of time with me. Now when I come into this room, I'm, I'm hinging on his time because he is playing a game right now. You are interrupting a very important dialogue that I'm having with people that are coming through my headphone right now. But I remember... When Miles was a child who entertained me, and sometimes when something would happen and he would get hurt, he would come screaming, he would come hollering, da, 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 whatever was going on. And I would say, show me where it hurt. Show me where it is. When you show me where it is, I can handle it. But as long as you keep screaming and not talking to me, I can't learn what hurts you. And there are a lot of people who are screaming but not talking. I need you to stop screaming long enough for you to tell me where is the pain? What hurts you? A lot of people in this climate right now don't want to talk about racism because it's painful. We don't want to deal with it because I'm sorry, church, but we're Levites and priests who like to lurk and not learn. So... We will keep our ceremonial duties without really ministering to the pain. A real Levite ministers before they sing. I'm not talking about in this room. I'm talking about a real Levite, a real priest, a real pastor, someone who's really called will say, tell me where the pain is. Because if I don't find out where the pain is, you won't be able to receive the healing. The anointing is more important than the show. The anointing is more important than the production. <laughs> Someone holler out and say, somebody deal with my pain. Somebody deal with my pain. So uh, the book, there's a book by uh, Ibram X. Kennedy, and he says, uh, pain is usually essential to healing. Uh, but when it comes to healing America of racism, we want to heal America without pain. But without pain, there is no progress. If you can't talk about what hurt me, then we're going to be living in a false sense of reality. And I've got to tell you why it hurts me. Because if you don't know why it hurts me, then you can't heal me. The Levites, uh, the priests, they walk by. Uh, they saw and they kept going. So Jesus says that to him. And the next thing I find out if we're going to make a move is I got to haste to a close. Um, after we find out we got to move from lurking to learning, then we have to move from sympathy to empathy. So we find out this in verse 33. Uh, well, Jesus is Samaritan, but a Samaritan. That's what bothered me, y'all. The priest the Levite, who all represented the church, passed by. But the half-breed, the one who was mixed, had more compassion than the church. Have you ever been treated better outside the church than you have been in the church? Have you ever been treated better by people who don't proclaim any God than people who speak in tongues? 
I wish I could see your faces behind this mask. But there are a lot of us who we've been wounded by people who pass by. But the Samaritan moved from sympathy to empathy. The word sympathy means it's a feeling of pity. That's what sympathy means. Like, I feel bad for you. Uh, a lot of people, when you go through something, they have sympathy. They feel bad for you. They feel bad for what you're going through. Empathy means it is the ability to understand what I'm going through. There are some seasons sympathy is okay. But there are other seasons that if you're going to be able to help me, you've got to identify and have the ability to understand me. But a lot of us have apathy and not empathy. Apathy means it's not my issue and it doesn't concern me. I see what's going on, but that doesn't concern me. I see what's happening, and I think someone should do something about that, but it's not going to be me. I think someone should reach the community, but probably not me. I don't feel called to evangelism. I don't, I don't feel called to that. No, no. I, I don't think I want to be a, on the prayer team. I, I don't feel called to pray. I, I just don't feel, I, I pray for my children and for my family, but I don't feel called to the church to pray. Uh, no. Uh, uh, I, I want to minister. I'm called to preach, Caesar. Uh, but, but I don't think I'm called to preach in the nursing home. No. Uh, oh, no. I, I don't think I'm called to, to preach in the prison. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I don't think I'm called to tent revival ministry. No, no, not in the hot. No, no, that's not me. Uh, but I am called to preach on the stage. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I've seen that streaming audience. I want that. But no, I don't, I don't want to be a chaplain in the hospital while people are dying. No, 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 that's not me. Uh, that doesn't concern me because I'm not called like that. You are. That's what pastors do. You preach in season and out of season. I don't. Uh, I minister when it's convenient. <laughs> I, I, I'm not called to the type of preaching that um, where they shut down the government and I have to preach to a, to a, preach to a uh, camera and there's nobody there to applaud me while I preach. Oh, no, I'm not called to that. I'm called to preach and they applaud and they like what I say. That, that's the type of preaching that I like. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not called to sing if no one likes what I sing and no one responds to me and no one says sing girl, sing girl I ain't called to that, I'm called to performance, I'm not called to ministry oh no, 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 that's not me you got me twisted, oh no, I want to be Sunday best, I don't want to be Sunday now oh no, no, no that's not me oh you don't want to pay me but you want to use me, oh no, I'm not called to that I only offer my services with a check Oh, no, I'm not called to that. Oh, that's apathy. That's somebody else's ministry. Oh, no, this is not the type of ministry that I'm a part of. No. Oh, no. Oh, I want to be a part of this church because it's a big building. I don't want to clean it. No, no, no. That's, that's not the type of ministry I'm a part of. I want to be a part of a ministry that we do praise break every Sunday. And then after I get my dip, I leave. I don't give. I don't tithe. Oh, I don't want to be a part of a ministry that requires anything of me. Oh, no. That's not the ministry I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of a ministry that requires nothing of me. Isn't that beautiful? That's a great ministry that it requires nothing of me. But it required everything of Jesus but requires nothing of you.
I love big ministries because I can blend in and no one will require anything of me. I love ministries where I can hide that I don't live anything. I don't do anything. I don't study anything. I don't help anybody. I don't care about anybody but me. It's me. That's the type of ministry I want to be a part of because I'm apathetic. I like consumer ministries that serve me, but I don't serve. Ministries that help me, but I don't help. Ministries where I get to tell them what they fix, but I don't help fix it. I know. Portia, you might be the only one who thinks so. So, The Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then set him on his own animal. Set him on his own. Someone say his own. His own animal brought him to an inn, took care of him, and the next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. When I learn how to deal with me, then I can learn how to minister to you. When this Samaritan saw the Samaritan who was not normally dealt with, I believe maybe the Samaritan wanted to deal with him because usually the Samaritan was usually the one left and no one dealt with them. So it's something about you being able to identify with someone who goes through what you go through. You're able to minister to people on a different level because you know what it feels like to be isolated. You know what it feels like to be looked over. You know what it feels like to be left for dead. You know what it feels like to be stripped. You know what it feels like to be beaten. You know what that feels like. So maybe he was able to deal with it because when you get the plank out of your own eye, you can see more clearly. Uh, When you step out of your own comfort zone, then you can step into somebody else's shoes to know whether... But what I found out about this Caesar, and I'm, I'm through here, I'm almost through. What I found out about this message is, what I, this scripture, it never says what the person's name was. Cole, did you find it? Did your daddy preach about it? I, did, I didn't, I never saw the name of the person who got beat. It just says a man. Maybe, Gwen, maybe he was running and jogging in Georgia. Maybe he was sitting in his house by himself. And maybe the police raided the house while they were doing nothing. Maybe that was the person who got shot. And you never know who the robbers were. Singleton, it never says who the robbers were, but I tend to think maybe the robbers are the same people who are walking free in Louisville right now who have not been arrested for Beyonder Taylor. Because it doesn't give a name because you know they're protected under a code. There are some people who are protected under a code. You can do me wrong and not get charged for it. You can do all types of things because you know I'm a no name. It's just a boy who was jogging, but his mama named him Ahmad. (laughs) But to everybody else, maybe I'm just a name. I'm not anybody, but but for somebody else who says I can't breathe, uh, for somebody else, he had a name. His mama gave him a name. But the robbers just did whatever and left. 
But the Samaritan came and he helped. Is this helping anybody? Because this is important because you can take down my statues. But just because you took down the statues doesn't mean you've had a conversation with me yet. Just because you take down flags doesn't mean that you have empathy for me yet. Just because you take down things that represent things does not mean that you have empathized with me to understand my pain. Robbers beat me, stripped me, left me for dead, and walked away, and you just want to give me $1,700? And let me say thank you. You can't pay my pain away. I knew this was going to hit y'all like this. When you're talking about a devil, he don't like you talking about his trick and what he does. So when you start really, really dealing with systemic demons... They don't want you to reveal what they do. Because when you reveal it, they try to shut your voice off. They try to shut Jesus' voice off too. <laughs> 2,000 years later, he's still speaking. They try to shut off Martin Luther King's voice too. And this dream is still living. Can anybody in the room just give a holler right now and say, you can't shut my voice off. Just someone holler, say, you can't shut my voice Last thing I'm through, <laughs> I love it. You got to move, I'm through. You got to move from being religious to relational. I'm sorry I didn't shout y'all today. Because in this verse 36, he says, which one of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? He didn't respond to him, Brandon. He never said who you should love. He said, which one of these proved to be a neighbor? Because the lawyer was responding. He said, who should I love? Jesus never responded to that. He said, which one of these three people do you think showed himself to be a neighbor? The man responded. He said, he was a Jew. He says, the one who showed him mercy. Y'all might have missed that. He couldn't even say Samaritan because they didn't deal with Samaritans. What he was saying was someone that I would have least likely have thought is the one who actually showed Christ. He said the one who acted more like a neighbor was the one who I don't even get along with. The lawyer couldn't even acknowledge it because he didn't have any dealings with him. He was showing him how to be a neighbor versus selecting who should be the neighbor. First John 3.14 says this. 
we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. I'm going to say this one more time. You know we have passed from death to life because we love brothers, meaning we love everybody. Someone say everybody. I looked at that today when I was reading 1 John 3.14 is also akin to John 3.16. that says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That whoever, whoever, whatever person believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, someone asked me the other day when I was sending them the notes, they said, hey, you got a Greek word for us today? <laughs> they said, what's the Greek word that we want to understand? The Greek word for today is Philadelphia. Someone say Philadelphia. Y'all like, I ain't going on no trip. No. Philadelphia is from the word philos, uh, which means love for the brothers. I want to ask the church right now while we sit here in this moment, while we move forward into our, um, you know, time of, you know, decision making. I want to ask you, how religious are you? Like, really, are you more religious than you're relational? Like, do you relate to people because of church affiliation? Or do you relate with people because they're wounded and they need help? I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.